Today's scripture is John 8, 12 through 20. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would, all, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Well, good morning, New City, or good evening if you're watching this tonight. Uh, so glad you're here. My name is Nate Bush. Good to be the lead pastor here at New City. And before we jump into the teaching, I've got a couple of things I just want to share with you. One is we've got a really cool announcement. Uh, we have a new elder candidate, Larry, and Shirley Lee is a photo here of Larry Shirley Lee. Larry has been in the elder process at New City for over a year. And uh, during that time, I've gone through a, a, a series of evaluations and trainings and development and uh, our bylaws require us to give you 14 days notice of a, an elder candidate. And so if, the, if you know of anything that would prohibit Larry from serving as an elder at New City, you can bring that to our elders' attention. You can bring that to my attention. We'd love for you to, to hear from that. But we are excited to put Larry and Shirley in front of you and, and, to, and to, to recommend Larry as an elder at New City. Uh, Larry has had a, an opportunity to have a voice, but yet not a vote in our elder meetings and our team meetings. And we've been really appreciating his input. Uh, Larry is a, a dynamic uh, servant of God, and so right now even Larry and Shirley are uh, operating our cameras and doing our online broadcast right now and serving uh, New City Church in that way, and I couldn't be more uh, proud of them and recommending them. Uh, certainly we want to make this final step uh, a, a, a part of the process and a part of examination. So the next 14 days you have the opportunity uh, to let us know. Is there any reason you see that Larry cannot uh, or shouldn't be serving as an elder at New City Church? Hey, Easter's coming up. Easter is uh, one of my favorite uh, times of the year for so many reasons. Obviously, the resurrection of Jesus, but also the, the season changing. And this year, hopefully, uh, the end of COVID. I'm excited all things Easter this year. And, uh, and if you are looking to kind of start something new, maybe you start a new relationship with Jesus this year, I want you to know you can sign up for Easter baptisms on the Connect card at any time uh, during the service. You can take Connect to that number uh, that you will see on the screen the, in the online chat, or you can uh, just scan one of those codes in the back of the chair. Uh, baptisms is a great way of saying, yes, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried in the grave. He rose again, overcame my sin and death, and I'm a recipient of his righteousness and the new life that he's brought me. And so if you would like to say yes to Jesus in baptism, we'd love for you to do that. Let us know. We're going to have baptisms on Easter Sunday. Really excited about that. Also, I want to encourage you, if you're here today in person, to pick up your, um, your, your Holy Week gift. We've got gifts out uh, in the lobby, and if you're watching online, you can come later today, get those gifts, or next weekend to get those gifts. There's other times that we also already noted 
Those gifts are important because Monday, Thursday is online uh, this year and is Good Friday. And these gifts are kind of uh, to help aid you in your celebration of Monday, Thursday and Good Friday uh, with our church. And so uh, lots of good stuff there. Uh, Some palm branches for the kiddos for Palm Sunday, all kinds of cool things for Holy Week. And so uh, make sure you pick up those bags. Also want to note the Easter times. Okay, so online and in person, the times are the same uh, for Easter. So these are slightly different than our normal times. So 9, 10, 15, and 11.30. So mark those on your calendar so you can be ready for Easter. And I would say invite a friend, okay? Invite a friend to attend Easter with you, either online or in person. All right, so here we are in our text today. Uh, the theme is light. You might have picked that up even in our worship time today. And, uh, and it's just, I sometimes have to sort of recognize, um, hey, there's so much darkness right now. There's just so much darkness in the world. Uh, just, you can't hardly turn on the television without... Uh, seeing someone, you know, uh, bringing about violence onto somebody else. And uh, many in the Asian American community this, this week have been in, in, a, in a sort of state of sort of kind of communal mourning. And you see all the darkness around. And, and the question I think the text raises for me is that when darkness comes, what do you do? Like, what's your response? Do you have a strategy? And that's a really kind of key kind of understanding to this passage. So when the darkness comes, what do you do? Like, what's your response? What's your strategy? Uh, for a lot of us, our strategy is one of, you know, trying to, you know, bring light to the darkness. And when we try to manifest light, we try to sort of, you know, make decisions. But darkness kind of is one of the, darkness is one of those sort of realities where, um, you know, it's, you, you can't see. And, and without being able to see, you don't know what to do. And you don't know what decision to make. And the darkness is a very difficult place to be if, if you're there. Because it's, it's, it's really a clouded sort of judgment place. But many of us will try to just to hurry in the darkness to try to be, you know, try to order the darkness, try to fix the darkness, try to be, even be the light. And, and the big question, I think, for you and me is, are you trying to be the light or are you trying to reflect the light? And then when you're in the dark place, like, you cannot be the source of light. You're just not, you're not meant to be that. God made you as an image bearer, to bear His image, to bear His light. And so sometimes when you're trying to be the light, what happens is you, 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 you will recognize it. When you're trying to be the light in a dark time, you'll recognize it because you'll, you'll have anxiety. That's the byproduct of it. Because you'll be trying to be something you were never intended to be. You'll have this, like, this, this keen sense that you are not in control. You'll have this keen sense that you can't do it. You'll have this keen sense of your own incapacity. You, know, you just don't have the capacity to do the things that are required of you when you're in the dark place if you're just trying to be the light. And because you're, you were never meant to be the light. You're always meant to be a reflector of the light. You are an image bearer of God. God made you in His image. There's only one true light in this world, and here's the good news. It's Jesus. It's not you. That's good news. There's there's only one true light in this world, and it's Jesus, it's not you. And you, You can't be the light. You cannot be Jesus. You are not the Savior. And when darkness happens in the world, what we have to do is we have to be a people of the light, children of the light, attract the true light. That's Jesus. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, this is a verse verse of our reading today, I am the light of the world. Light of the world. I'm the light. I'm the one who illuminates. I'm the one who helps you to see. I'm the one who charts your path. By the way, you know, things can't survive in darkness, right? Darkness brings death. 
And one of the things, one of the ways in which John sort of imagines our future reality, when John, who's also writing this gospel, John's writing Revelation, he's, he's given a vision of the new city, the new Jerusalem, descending from heaven to earth. And there's all these sort of wonderful pictures of this new city, this new Jerusalem. But one of the most interesting pictures for me is in verse 23 of chapter 21. He says this new city, and this is a city because God loves people and cities are full of people. In this new city, it has no need for sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the lamb. In other words, this new city, this new Jerusalem is a place of perpetual life. A place, a place of perpetual understanding. Illumination, light, understanding. It's it's a place where Jesus shines bright and we bask in his light. That's our future reality, a future with no more darkness. And in the year that we've had, and, and, and many of us have had you know, more than just COVID in our life this last year, we've had marriage stress, we've had stress in our work, we've had stress in our personal lives, we've had stress in our singleness, we've had stress in our loneliness. Lots of us have had a lot of stress, there's a lot of darkness in our life for the last year. And imagining a reality with no more darkness is kind of a fun thing. Imagining a future reality where all the darkness and the death is gone. And there's just light and life forever. I mean, that's, that's, that's just, it's just fun to imagine. That. You can, you can kind of jump into Paul's words when he says, uh, you know, the, the, the future glory, isn't, it, it just, just doesn't compare to the present suffering. It just doesn't. You see, when the story of life resolves, Jesus will be our everlasting light and there will be no more darkness. And that is good news. So let's just press in on what Jesus is describing here when he says he's the light. So what is the light? What is what does the light do? How do we recognize the light? What's the light's sort of role in our life? Well, the light is truth. That's one of the things the light is, is truth. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. In other words, they'll be able to see. They'll have truth. So the light, the light reveals things to us, reveals truth. And it's, by the way, spiritually discerned. We won't walk in darkness. We're following Jesus in the light. We'll have some truth. We'll have some understanding. We'll have some wisdom for everyday life. But this wisdom, this truth, can only come to us spiritually. This is not. I mean, you you, you can by common grace come to sort of wisdom in in, in the world. But the, the bigger the bigger ideas, the bigger truths, the spiritual truths are spiritually discerned. In verse in chapter. <laughs> Uh, chapter 8, verse 13, the Pharisees said to Jesus, well, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Now, this is like a kind of a gotcha statement because earlier in John 5, Jesus says, I, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. And they're like, oh, gotcha. You're bearing witness about yourself. And then later he's going to say, no, the Father's bearing witness about me too. But he says this in verse 14. He says, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true because I'm God. For I know where I come from, and I know where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. And then he says this, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one, the implication here, according to the flesh. You're thinking merely fleshly, you're not thinking with spiritual, with spiritual eyes, spiritual insight. And the Bible teaches us when we receive the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit enlightens your mind, when the Holy Spirit brings understanding to the Word of God to you, this is what happens. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, 1 Corinthians 2.12, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The spirit gives us understanding, illuminates, 
gives us understanding, helps us discern things from a spiritual perspective. And what does the Spirit do? Like, well, the Spirit helps us to connect with God relationally. The Spirit says, hey, God the Father, He's your dad. He witnesses to us that, that we have this relationship with the Father in heaven. So what is the light? It's truth that's spiritually discerned, that's relationally experienced. That's the light. Look at verses 17 and following. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So there's two witnesses there, but the Holy Spirit we know is also bearing witness. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? And Jesus said, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father. In other words, if you had seen the light, you would know the Father. It's, it's a relation, relational experience. The light, the light, Jesus says, when he says, I am the light, he's saying, I'm going to reveal to you the truth, a spiritual truth, that you can have a relationship with your Father in heaven. That you can be known by God and experience that connection with God as a, as a child to a father. That, that, that's what I've come to reveal. The light lets us see things that were previously unseen. Now, this is just my, I don't know how to, I've been talking to a lot of pastors lately, just on the phone, on Zoom calls, just all over the country. And, and the thing that I'm observing in, in kind of my field, and maybe you have this, tr- this is true in your field, whatever your field is, but in my field, uh, a lot of the people that I'm speaking to, leaders particularly, feel very alone. They feel like they're the only ones. They feel like they're uniquely suffering. And, and a, lot, a lot of pastors I'm talking to are like ready to tap out of ministry altogether. And I think darkness does this, like darkness when you slip into it. Darkness is, is a lonely feeling that pain is without purpose. It's like this kind of place you go to where you go, I don't see the purpose in any of this. I don't know what's going on. Maybe God isn't really for me. Maybe God doesn't really care for me. Maybe I don't have the relationship with the Father that I thought I had. And it just takes a second for most pastors to hang out with one another and pray for each other, encourage one another for the light bulb to go off, for the, for the light to illuminate the truth that's spiritually discerned that the Father loves you, He's good, and He's sovereign, and He cares for you. And it just takes a few seconds with the Holy Spirit present in community to recognize that you're not alone in your pain and your suffering. And the light, the light reveals the purpose and the path of Jesus, and this is really important. The light illuminates the purpose and the path of Jesus. This is what he says. Jesus says, even if I do bear witness by myself, my testimony is true, for I know, listen, where I came from, and I know where I'm going. I know my path. Jesus knows the path he's on. What's the path he's on? Well, he came from heaven to earth, and he, he was born as a child. He lived the life that we could not live. He's going to, uh, from this passage forward, die the death we should have died. He's going to be buried in the tomb. He's going to rise again. He's going to conquer sin and death. He's going to, run, he's going to ascend into heaven, seated at the right hand throne of God, from which he will judge the world. Like he knows the path he's on. It's, it's not a mystery to him. But darkness is not knowing the path you're on. So what path are you on? This is a powerful question. In other words, another way of sort of pushing it, all right? Where's your path taking you? Like, what's, what's the destination of the path you're on? Do you, do you know the path you're on? Man, it's just, this is... So many people just let life happen to them. And so many people can't, can't identify the path they're on. 
or the purpose of the path they're on. And so many people can't articulate the, the destination of the path. Like, where, where, where's my path taking me? Where, where's it going? I can tell you that Jesus says, hey, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. That's what he says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. I can promise you that following Jesus doesn't always get you to where you want to go, but always gets you where Jesus wants you to go. And so, so he knows the path he's on. And if we follow him, he's going to illuminate and light the path that we are all on. And we walk, the Bible says, children of light. Like we walk as children of light. We walk a, a, in such a way that we are not in darkness. We know the path we're on. We know where we're headed. We know where our path ends. So Jesus knows where he's going. But I can tell you this from personal experience. I, I, I'm not always in agreement with the path. Sometimes Jesus calls me to places and my path with him that I don't want to go self-sacrificial places, <laughs> places that look like his path, taking up my cross and following him, places that look like denying myself in the service and love of other people, like he denied himself in the service and love of me. But I can tell you this, I mean, this is true about life. It, it is easier to find peace on your path when you know your path ends. You may not always be in agreement with where Jesus has you on the path, but if you're following him, and you know where the path ends, and you will find peace in your life. If you, if you know where your path ends, you know, you know I, I may not be in agreement with this particular point in the path, this particular point in the journey, but if I know where Jesus is taking me, and I'm following him, and I'm following the light, you can have peace in your path, no matter what your path is bringing your way, because you know where it ends. Jesus says, I know where I came from, I know where I'm going. And it raises the question, do you know where he came from? Do you know where he's going? Because if you're following him, you're following him to where he's going. This is why Jesus says to disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. He says, guys, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Like, I... The path, the ending, is a place I'm preparing for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. Uh, my, the path, it ends with being with Jesus in a place that he's prepared for us. And you know the way to where I'm going. But Thomas, who I can relate to, he just says to Jesus, uh, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Like, help us understand the path and where this path is leading. We, we, don't know, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus said, here it is. I am the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You follow me. Follow me. I'm going to illuminate the path. The path is going to be the place I prepared for you. A place, by the way, remember, where there's no more darkness and the light, the light of the Lamb is illuminating it. Where death is no more and sin is no more and sadness is no more. Tears are wiped away. It's a place where we are in relationship with Jesus and the Father and the Spirit perfectly for eternity. See, the path of Jesus is one of joyful sacrifice. And it can be one of joyful sacrifice because we know where it's going. 
Like, you know, one of the things that is, 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 has been really helpful for me over the years, and this just came to me, and so this is the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it is or not. I had, uh, I had breakfast at Flying Star this morning, so it could be that, but who, who knows, all right? And so I think this might be the Holy Spirit. But over the years, like, one of the things that's really helped me in this sort of area is to recognize that nothing, this, nothing in this, there, there's nothing this world could give me that surpasses what Christ has already given me in my inheritance, and when I, when, I am, when I am sacrificing in this world, it's, it's, I'm always sacrificing out of surplus. Because, because there's nothing, I mean, I, I am a co-heir with Christ. All that is His is mine. And there's nothing this world could give me that, that, could, that could even compare with what He's already provided for me. So Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus. All right, looking to Him, following Him, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand throne of God. The joy set before him. Like, Jesus, Jesus the, the scripture is describing the path of Jesus here as, as, a, as, a, as a path of joy. even in suffering, even in pain. Because he, he, he knew the destination, which is what? Your rescue. Relationship with you for eternity. The redeeming of you from your sins, like, like spending eternity with you. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like Jesus is looking ahead. He knows the path he's on. What's the path he's on? Living your life for you, dying your death for you, being buried, rising from the grave, conquering sin and death, separation from the Father. I mean, on the cross, Jesus is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of that's part of the path. But he, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What's the joy? The light is a truth that's spiritually discerned that reveals to you a depth of relationship you get to have with God. As a child relates to a father, Jesus says, if you knew me, you'd know my father. You, you, you know where this path ends. In relationship with me. Perfect. For eternity. I want to share with you just kind of a little bit of our path at New City. The, our journey, you know, this is the path that we're on. The destination, we painted a portrait for this in the early days of New City. Our, our, our destination is the New City, the New Jerusalem. You know, that's, that's our namesake. We have our minds clearly fixed on the, the all things made new reality of Jesus. You can read about the new city in Revelation 21. We've already referenced uh, a, a scripture in Revelation 21 today, but it's, it's in this passage where John sees a vision of a, of a city because cities are full of people descending from heaven to earth, prepared like a bride. It's a holy city, the new Jerusalem, the new city. And we look forward to that. Like We look forward to that reality when tears are wiped away and death is no more and all that made possible by Jesus and his sacrifice. But our path, the path we've chosen together collectively as a, as a church, is to say that we're going to be imperfect people, being courageous, believing the power of Jesus to make all things new. And so we're going to do courageous things, self-sacrificial things, together as a community, engage in the path that looks like Jesus, taking up our cross and following him. And one of the ways we kind of phrase that around here is how can we put on 
display? How, how, can, how can we put on the display the promise, the all things made new reality? How do we put that on display? How, how do we show the world that Jesus is making everything new? What, what's, what's the right next thing? You know, Jesus is the light, but we are children of the light. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. And in Ephesians 5, 8, Paul reminds us, you were once in darkness. Like that was your reality. You were once in darkness. But now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. You are once in darkness, but Christ, he brought light and life to your life. And now you walk as children of light, putting on display his kingdom reality. Letting the world see it, putting it on display. In Matthew 5, 16, this, this is out of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is saying, this is what my kingdom's supposed to look like. He says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Let it shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so we want, to, want the world to see the light of Jesus, to see it on display in our lives. Collectively, individually, all throughout the week in our places we work, live, and play to be putting the light of Jesus on display for the world to see. And that's the whole purpose of Be Good News. Is to say, we want to shine a bright light. It's not our light, it's Christ's light. It's, it's, it's reflecting His light to the world. And we want to walk as children of light. We want to be good news for people in the city with their lives. That's, 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 our, that's, our, that's our bag. That's what we're committing to for this next year in our in our journey we're a year into it here's the here's the way i've put this vision in the past and i've put it so far in the past that we're into we're into the vision now uh, for my own personal journal but i wrote this in my journal years ago maybe five years ago and this has been something that i'm committed to i i feel like this i feel like god has asked me to do it and i don't you know say that lightly but you know it could could be the could be the could be the, the Blake's burrito speaking, but I, who knows? But 30 years from now, someone's going to say, do you remember what Albuquerque used to be like? What happened? And the response will be the church lit the city up. That's what I want the response to be. You know what, you know what happens? That Christians started shining their light in the dark places of the city. And people who didn't see now see People who didn't feel known are now known. People who were, who were lost in the darkness are now walking in the light, and they know their path. I know that love demands sacrifice. That's always going to be the case. That's essentially what Jesus is saying here in John 8, 14. He says, for I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. Like I know, I know the cost of my journey. I know what's going on. Like, I know... I, he who is rich became for, poor, so in his poverty we might become rich, Paul says. Like, I know, I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I know my path. And so I want to give everybody an opportunity to join the journey. So, we, so a year ago, we painted the, the picture of Be Good News for New City Church, and we said, hey, two years this is what we want to do. And, if, and, and I want to give you the opportunity to join us as as we follow Jesus, and as we, we, we try really hard to, to follow Jesus. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. I want to follow Jesus. Now, this, this passage comes from a unique sort of moment in sort of, so what, what, what happens is like the, the, the Jewish calendar is marked by all these feasts and festivals. And this, this moment, this moment when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, in fact, where he even says he's the light of the world, is 
is during the Feast of Tabernacles. And Bruce Milne says this about this. He says, the Feast of Tabernacles had another symbol, light. Now, at the end of the first day of the court of women, which is probably the location of Jesus' teaching indicated in verse 20, four golden lamps were lit amid great rejoicing, singing and celebrating with music and dancing, continuing through the night, uh, nights of feasts with the light in the temple illuminating the entire city. So he says, I am the light of the world. What he's doing is saying, you know what we're celebrating right now in tabernacles? Of how God led you by a pillar of fire by night. When you, light these, when you light these candles, you know what you recognize? You recognize that God was present with you in the desert. And when it was dark, he led you by fire at night. You recognize that he provided for you manna from heaven. God, God brought water from a rock. I mean, you, you, you were provided for. You had the provision of God. You had the presence of God. Jesus is saying, hey, look, he is, he's saying, I, I'm the Shekinah glory of God that lights the path for all people. That's the kind of a, a unique piece of this because he's not saying, I am the light of the Jews. He's saying, I'm the light of the world. I want you to know something. I come to be the light of the world for all people. I'm the Shekinah glory of God that leads people out of darkness and puts them on the path. And just like Israel was put on the path to the promised land, he's putting us on the path to the new city. He's, getting, he's putting us on the path to our destination. See, the Feast of Tabernacles is a celebration of the presence and the provision of God in the desert. So we want to follow Jesus. Like, like the Israelites followed God in the pillar of fire at night. We want to follow Jesus where he leads us. And that's what Be Good News is about. Hopefully it's what it's about. And you can pray that it will continue to be about Jesus following him, being for people in the city with their lives. And so I just want to give you the update I gave to everybody uh, at, our, at our worship night uh, this past Tuesday, which was pretty phenomenal. Uh, it, this, this sort of commitment had multiple facets to it. One of those was a $2.8 million commitment, $1,045,000 that was given uh, to the commitment as we follow Jesus. And so we've got $1,755,000 left, and that's really good news. We're right on track where we want to be at this point in the initiative. And so God's been glorified in, as we've been following him. And then one of the ways God's been glorified is four people was an, was an idea. We were going to say, hey, we're going to invest in children. We're going to invest in students. We're going to invest in community groups. We're going to invest in increased programming. And we've done all of those things in this initiative. Hired a full-time pastor to serve in community group leadership. And uh, we brought Amanda up uh, to three-quarter time. We've put Roger at full-time in student ministries. We've increased our programming with online broadcasting and all the rest. We've done all that. We bought a building that was in the city. That was what that was about and, and I'm going to talk more about that in here in a second and then we, we with our lives that's about church planting internationally and s- supporting our local uh, missional partners we've done that we've got a lot more to do in that this year and I'm really excited about what we get to do this year in, in the with our lives category and, and investing in local ministries and investing in uh, ministries uh, to impact the, the unreached around the world but I want to talk to you about the new facility uh, the 4300 San Mateo facility which is right down the street from us and I want to give you a little bit of a kind of a timeline of where we're headed. And so we, here's where we're headed. In April and May, and I wish I could be more precise, but this is kind of just where we are right now in process. 
In April to May, we're going to assume the space. And we might give uh, North Church a little bit of an extension. We're trying to sort of uh, play out where that looks like for them. We want to serve North Church, who is our tenant right now in the space. And, and we're trying to figure out the kind of that relationship because we're kingdom people. And we you know, love the local church. And so April and May is about the time we're going to assume the space. June and July, we're going to do construction. And we're going to do some construction around some principles. And I'll share those with you in a second. And then around August and September, we're going to have our grand opening. And that's kind of the, the rough kind of outline so you know where we're going and how we're doing the space. We'll have events and stuff there. Uh, even while construction is happening, we can, we can have some events and things there. But, uh, but this will be kind of the rough sort of outline. But there are three values that we want our space to sort of hold on to, and this is why we're renovating. Uh, we want this to be a hospitable place. In other words, we want to welcome the stranger. That's what the word hospitality means in the Bible. We want to be a hospitable place like Monday through Friday hospitable to our community, to our neighborhood, to our city, to the people we feel called to, to the lost in the city. Like this is, this is really key. We wanna be a connecting place, a, people, a place where people connect to one another, they connect with God, they connect with their mission. We wanna be a sending place, not just a place that gathers people on Sunday morning, but a, a place that scatters people throughout the week and places they work, live, and play to be on mission. This is what we want the place to be. And so that's really important to us. And so the way I've been thinking about this, and it's kind of corny, but I've been thinking, I've been just been praying, Lord, let this facility be a, just another tool in the new city toolbox to shine your light bright in our city. Like, you're the light of the world, Lord Jesus. I want your light to be seen here, experienced here, uh, felt here. And that's what I'm praying for. And so how can you join? So a lot of people have joined New City over uh, this particular pandemic, and many people I've never even met before, and, and we have starting points on a regular basis on Zoom, and I'm meeting people for the first time. You're attending digitally, and, and you may want to participate in this, and so you can. You can go to begoodnews.church to do that. You can go to the app to do that, but I just want to talk to you about our generosity journey. This is a generosity journey that we talk about often at New City, and it's always good to kind of get a refresher on what this looks like. Uh, the generosity journey is just a journey to generosity. It begins with just a rookie giver. And so if you're a rookie giver, you're asking the question, what can I give? Like, is there something I can give right now? And that's a great place to begin. Like a single whatever, you know, what can I give? It's just a simple question. But as you grow in the journey of generosity, you can ask the question, you know, uh, of a regular giver, what can I give regularly? And, and a regular giver is asking, like, what is it that God, I can give, you know, that's a regular gift that would be, make a difference and would help the light of Christ shine brighter through my church. A relative giver is asking this question, though. Do I give more to AT&T than I give to God? They're saying, hey, what does, my, what does my checkbook reflect about my values? That's an important sort of evaluative question. Like, when I pay my bills, what does it, what does it say about my values? A, a relational giver is someone who is, who is asking the question, is my giving changing me? Uh, I'll just tell you, this is where my wife and I have been camping. Because our generosity kind of for a number of years just became so regular, and we gave a certain amount every, every month, and we, we give not only to New City, but we give to a missionary, and, and a, Native, um, you know, a Native American missionary, and um, we give to Stadia Church Planting, we give to like lots of different organizations. And, but our giving wasn't at a place where it was, it was changing us. And so over the last year, it's not always going to be true, but over the last year, we've, we've gotten to the place where we've been able to, um, you know, our, our biggest check every month is a generosity check. And it's not boastful that way, but we're just like in a place where we're like, God, I want, I want the greatest value in my life to be you. 
we're not quite a radical giver. We're at the place where we're going, you know, God, not how much do I give, but how much do I keep? Uh, radical giver's going, I, I, I just need to ask the question, how much do I keep? And then, and then we'll start from there. And if you want to get involved, if you want to, you know, if you want to get involved in the ra- on the journey, you can jump on the journey wherever you are in the journey. Just jump in the journey. If you want to make a commitment to Be Good News, you can do so on the app. You can do so at BeGoodNews.Church. You can, there's lots of places to do that to make a commitment. Just to let it be known, like, hey, this is what I, I plan on doing to contribute and get involved. It'd be great. We say all the time, we are imperfect people, being courageous, believing in the power of Jesus to make all things new. This is what, you know, that's what we want to do. We want, we want to be committed to this and be courageous and, and lead with courage and say, our city needs Jesus. Our city needs Jesus. And we're a church among the body of Christ that's doing our part to let our city know that Jesus loves them and has come to live the life that they couldn't live and die the death that they should have died and was buried and rose again, conquered sin and death, and he's making things new. And we can be courageous for others because Jesus has been courageous for us. Like, we can do it. We can step out. Matt Carter, in his commentary on this passage, says the lifeblood of Christianity is self-sacrifice. In a society where power, wealth, and authority are great goals, Jesus shows us a different way. He shows us a path stained with blood and says, follow me. He tells us to give up our rights for the good of someone else. He tells us the way to be great is to serve. Jesus shows this radical way of living, the way of self-sacrifice. He made a sacrifice that is far greater than any sacrifice you or I could make. He gave up heaven. He who was rich became poor, so that his poverty would become rich. So the world is dark and dying, and it's in desperate need of the light of Jesus and light and life of Jesus. And, uh, you know, we're trying as a community to commit to give that light and life to as many people as we can. And Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. I mean, here's the, I mean, I, I, I got other things I want to say. The slide says, let's follow him and, and light up our city as children of light. Uh, then the, the next slide says, sacrificial generosity makes Christ-like shine brighter for the city to see. Here's what I really want to say. I'd love to, I'd love to invite you just to, to just sort of a, a, a moment I'm having with God right now. And the wrestling I'm having with God right now is I'm just not content with the number of people who are coming to Jesus at New City Church. Just not content with it. And what, when, when I look out in the world and I hear, I hear story, as a pastor, as I hear stories from people who are in, who are in pain and struggling and who aren't content in the path they're on and they know they're not on the right path, they can't make sense of, you know, and, and like here we are with the answer. Like, like we, have, we have Jesus and we know the path we're on and we know that everything's been made new. We know that there's, there's, we're never hopeless and we know that we, you know, that all suffer, that Jesus suffered on the cross to end all suffering. So all suffering is temporary. Like we have that knowledge. Like it's, it's just, it changes everything for us. And, and I've been like just wrestling with it, you know, like, 
what can I do, Jesus, like to, to help more people know you and discover you? And, and the, what I really want to say is I want to invite you to that same struggle and just start asking you the question, like you have, if you have the hope of Jesus, if like the, he shined his light in your life and you've received life in Jesus, then, then who in your life is in darkness right now? Like who's in darkness? Like what, what, what friend, what family member, like what coworker, what neighbor is in desperate need of the light and life of Jesus? I'm feeling responsible to that message, just feeling responsible to it. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But understand, it gives light to all to see. And I just feel like, shame, shame on me if, if I've done anything to conceal or hide the light of Jesus in my life. And now I'm asking, I'm asking the question, like, what can I do to have the right next conversation with somebody? To let the light of Christ shine in my life in such a way that somebody could come to hear the good news about Jesus. So I'm just, I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to unleash New City Church to be children of the Father, children of the light out in the city this week and next week and this month and next month and this year and next year to share the good news about Jesus. So yeah, we're in a generosity thing, but it's not about generosity. It's about Jesus, and it's about salvation, it's about people knowing him, it's about being light. That's what it's about. All right, I don't have any other words. Let's pray.